Hello, all you beautiful people out in podcast land. This is Teresa. And I'm Scott. We're coming to you from the North Star office and beginning our ritual of unpacking and reframing our previous weekend's messages. And this message that we're going to unpack today was Scott's Easter message. Are you comfortable there, Scott? I'm looking at you, grabbing your coffee and... I'm comfy. I'm knocking the mic around a little bit. But okay. That's All right. okay. Well, I just I want you to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You I know, appreciate uh, your concern. Yes, I'm always very concerned. Um, oh, knocking the mic around again. <laughs> I'm just saying it because I'm definitely not editing it out. I'm too tired for that. Okay. Well, let's get right to it then. Okay. So I was really glad you did the Easter message because I hate the holiday messages. And too much this pressure. Is, yeah, and it's left over from my youth because the holiday messages at North Star are exactly the same as the non-holiday messages, in my opinion. Yeah, they tend to be. I don't I don't know that I – I mean, I guess I do think about the preparation a little bit differently because um, I did something a little bit different than I normally would. Uh, but, yeah, I feel the same pressure. I was thinking after I told you that I was so glad you were doing the Easter message and that I didn't have to, why that was, and I had a memory. (laughs) A childhood memory. You make that sound like it's so rare for you to have a memory. (laughs) Well, it was a childhood memory. So uh, uh, my family uh, never went to church. Mm -hmm. Not even on Christmas and Easter. Uh, I never remember them going to church on Christmas but this story is about one time when they w- we went to church as a family on Easter. Okay. And we were living down in Virginia Beach, and I don't know why we went this time, but I do remember that my mother got me the complete outfit. Oh, okay. White patent leather shoes. Were they just trying to do something different? Like, what was it about this year? I don't year? know. It's just like... I don't know. I wish... We've got... A I lot wish of I was bad will to, uh, to compensate. I for wish my mother was alive so I could ask her, mm-hmm. but um. Had white, but then she had Alzheimer's before she died, so it probably wouldn't have worked. But anyway, I had white anklet socks with a little lace around them and a light green dress with crinoline at the bottom, which I know you don't know what that is, but it makes the bottom real poofy. Okay. And a white hat on my head, and there's this picture of me, and at this time I only had two brothers, and um, we're standing like little statues in front of our house at Virginia Beach on our way to church. And uh, we got in the car, and uh, I'm so old that there wasn't air conditioning in this car, so the windows were rolled down. And my mother was smoking in the front seat, and she caught my dress on fire. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, But it just burned a little hole, and we still went to church. I was worried that the story was just going to be about your outfit, but catching it on fire is pretty good. You know, and it's just sort of the story of my family's life, you know? So anyway. you try to go to church, you smoke in the car, and you start a fire. On your daughter's dress. It's like, And then you yell at your daughter. Confirmation, just like, you know, if we're going to bother... We need to we need to go all in or just get all out. Right. So anyway, I guess we still went. I don't I have no memory of the church. I just remember. You don't have no memory? I, I, I ain't got no memory of going to church. Just that dress and it catching on fire, my mother yelling at me. Um, but anywho, um, yeah, holidays, 
in church were uh, really um, came to symbolize for me just utter hypocrisy. You know, a lot of yelling and screaming and gnashing of teeth and smoking cigarettes and catching dresses on fire, but then trying to behave when we walk through the church doors. Well, it's not, yeah, I thought you were going someplace different than that because I think that, um, no, I, I mean, I think the church itself models its hypocrisy the most on the holidays as well. Uh, which is to, and well, I mean, okay, to be fair, you know, it's been, um, I mean, I haven't been to a, another um, church service on Easter since I lived in California, which was like, you know, nine years ago, eight, nine years ago. So, um, you know, I don't know how a lot of places do it, but I think what happens um, on Easter in many places is you expect to have higher attendance because you do get those people who feel guilty or there's just like some cultural cachet attached to Easter. It's just like the tradition is going to church, even, you know, if church doesn't particularly mean a lot to you otherwise. And so, you know, I think a lot of people feel that pressure to do a different kind of message. And what we grow up, what we grew up hearing was like a special evangelism message of like, this is like, this is the, the quote unquote, this is the time of year where you get the quote unquote gospel presentation and the, the call to, to turn your lives over, you know, like this is like the big call to action message. Yeah. Um, which I think maybe hypocrisy isn't the right word, but like, there's something kind of funny to me about that because it's like, you've got these people who've sort of proven over the course of time that you know, they're not going to be super dedicated to regular church attendance. And that doesn't mean I'm, I'm making any kind of comment or observation about their spirituality or their faith or anything like that. It doesn't matter to me. But it's funny that, you know, you would bend over to try to, you know, in many cases, shame those people into um, not repeating that same pattern for the, for the next year. Right. When in many cases, probably the shame is what keeps them from coming yeah. from Easter to Easter in the first place. Yeah. And so there's just, there's just like boot loop that you get trapped in of just like we go to church once or twice a year. And that's the day that we remember why we only go to church once or twice a year. Yeah. So, so Easter, sorry, I, I, I'm, I'm just rambling, but Easter is just a funny time to have to give a message because of that. And I think you, I remember you saying... I don't have a, a like a physical memory of this, but I remember you saying that for a while at North Star, like they were lower attendance Sundays, right? Because people would go back to uh, conventional churches on the weekends, and so I think maybe there was almost less pressure on well, those weekends for a while. I, I used yeah for years and years and years, hardly anybody would show up on the weekends of holidays, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't true for us anymore, but it it used to be true, and. Um, I was always like, okay, there's no pressure here, but there's something deep in my amygdala that remembers the burning dress. <laughs> and so anyway. Um, you get you, very few other Easter church memories to compare it to, right? So I, I guess have that very one gets few. lodged in there. Yeah. Well, and it was really exciting. Yeah. Because uh, no one seemed to be concerned about whether I'd gotten burned or not, which is a whole different thing. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you did something that I thought was particularly fetching with your Easter message, which was you didn't make it all about the rising. And you know, I love the grand both and, and you did a message about that. And I am excited for you to uh, re-unpack that again, because that was, I really got a lot out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose the um, the impetus for the message in many ways is when you're a recovery community, you, when you're a recovery community, you um, always have people in different places. You know, some people are always going to be doing well. Some people are going to be doing middle. Some people are going to be doing poorly. Um, and, you know, there's, there's one or two people right now in particular who uh, we know are struggling, you know, people who had really good clean time and now are in a return to use. Is that the, is that the new language? That's the new language. Okay. I have a hard time but keeping up. But it makes up. my stomach hurt just hearing it, but it's true. Yeah, I'm not, I, yeah. Um, so, you know, we love those people. Yes, we do. You know, regardless of where you are in 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 your life, and if you happen to be somebody who's listening to this now, who's in a period where you have returned to use, or you have someone you love who's returned to use, there there's no judgment from us. No, you know, we love you. We love your loved one. We want to be a resource to help you get back into sobriety. And we know, in, in particular, the people that we're talking about had some long-term sobriety. And so we know, you know, I'm, I don't just have hope. I know for sure that they're capable of long-term sobriety. Right. Um, mm-hmm. There's just, there's no doubt. We've seen it. And we've seen how well uh, these people can do. And how helpful they have been to others. Yeah. And, and how loving and sweet and kind and what servant, servants and they are. And how loved they are. And how loved they are. And how meaningful they are. Um, and so, you know, this message is was sort of about um, taking into account that kind of up and down cycle of life. Whether or not people return to use, we are all going to have peaks and valleys, right? And I think we always want to convince ourselves um, that once you're on the path to sobriety or once you're on the path to recovery or what, whatever it is, um, that you're always going to be getting better, you know, that you're always going to be on a constant upward trajectory. And then, you know, we, we, we know, you know, we'll even say, yeah, sometimes there's going to be little dips, you know, like there's going to be little dips and then you're going to get back on your feet. And, you know, a lot of people will admit to that, um, that it's not always upwards, but it's mostly up. You know, I think most people believe that, you know, if we're really faithful to our faith and our recovery, that we're going to be mostly going up and we may have little backslides, but they're little. And I, I think the the real truth is that all of us are going to have really, really painful uh, valleys. Yeah. You know, no matter how long you're in it, no matter, even if you, even if you've got 30 years of sobriety and you're never going to return to use again, you're going to have really painful valleys in your life. You're going to have peaks and valleys. You're going to have times where you're going up. You know, the progress, constant progress is is just a myth. Yeah. Right? And right. that's okay. Right. It's nothing that we would ever want anyone to shame themselves about. 
It's just how life is. It doesn't just always get better because there's always things going on that are out of our control. Right. Um, which are going to knock us down. Right. You know, and then there's going to be the there's the flip side of that is true, too. I mean, there's going to be unexpected joys and pleasures in life. Uh, I, I uh, you know, you know, I work with this trainer who's trying to keep me strong in my old age so I can keep up with your daughter, my granddaughter. <laughs> mm hmm. And I can tell you that's going to be a challenge. Yep. And uh, she calls it the what the hell effect. <laughs> My trainer does. Ex what, what, uh, what, trying to? The, the unexpected peaks and valleys. Oh. She calls it the what the hell effect. You know, like. Right. What happened? Yeah. Why? What, yeah. Why? So. I'm I, actually, physically, I'm going through that right now. Are you? I went to the gym the other day to do, you know, a, a, a certain workout that I feel totally strong and confident in, and I could I could only do a fraction of it, and I I pulled a muscle in my back, and I'm sore, and I'm, it's just like what happened, right? Yeah, I had the opposite effect. I had the I had the mountaintop experience. So I had that like the week before. Oh where well, I went and and did everything and see? felt super strong. Yeah, super yeah, and my body was worn completely worn out from it. I guess. Yeah, I mean that's just it. And so I've been doing this particular weight at the overhead press, and I never thought I could do any more than that. And this week, I just had this amazing. What the hell advance in that area? So you had good sleep, you had good veggies in your body. Who knows what it was, you yeah. know? But I think the thing of it is, the point of it is, is um, if I'm going to accept the valleys as, you know, I don't know, it's probably, some of it's probably out of my control, then isn't it also true that some of the peaks are also out of my control? Yeah. And yeah. Um, and I think that this is true whether you're looking through the lens of recovery or the lens of faith. Mm -hmm. And um, I love how you taught us that in the message. Yeah, so we read verses from the suffering servant, Verses in Isaiah, which I guess is Isaiah 53. You know, I don't do numbers. Should I'm lucky if I remember it's up? the Old Testament. You know what? I am going to stop to look them up. Yeah, look I, it I, up. I'm going to play some music there. I, th I think you should make the music like, like a game show sound. I'll see if I can find something. So what, what verses now that you've opened up your beautiful Bible? Um, uh, Isaiah 53, and it's just the first couple of verses. I don't know how many of them I read. This is the NRSV, uh, which is my favorite translation um, to read because it's what we use in seminary and it's what I got used to. Uh, and it, it was just the one that happened to be sitting closest on my desk. So it's a little... Um, Especially, you know, anytime you read a more formal translation from the Old Testament, it's a little uh, more difficult uh, to listen to. I trust you'll unpack it. So, yeah, I don't know how much un unpacking it really needs, but. Who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity, as one with whom others hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him of no account. Um, so basically, that's Isaiah 53, 1-3, and I'd encourage you to look it up in either the, the Common English Bible or the Message. Um, these are verses that, um, at the time they were written, probably applied to some humble servant who had nothing special about him, um, some prophet, you know, who was a servant of the Lord. And then later on, they get applied to Jesus. And the idea is that, you know, who has believed what we have heard and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? I mean, those questions are are essentially suggesting that it's difficult to believe that that somebody who has no majesty, that somebody who has no special appearance, that somebody who seems so not only normal, but perhaps even below average. Carpenter's kid. Right. Uh, could No the, social standing. Right. No status. That a person like this could be significant. And then it speaks, uh, he was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. Um, so in, in other words, somebody who suffers and and um, undergoes great pain. Um, as one from whom others hide their faces. So people would be ashamed, people would turn away, people wouldn't want to look, people would be uninterested, perhaps. And he was despised, and we held him of no account, meaning we paid no attention. Um, so basically, yeah, so in short, you know, somebody who's really significant, who could slide right under the radar, you know, and who you wouldn't even want to pay attention to because it because it's this person who suffers and has all this pain. And so often, the reason I chose those verses is because Easter so often is just uh, the story of the rising. Yeah. We should go and be hopeful. We should wear pastel colors, right? They should right. be bright and they should be cheery and they should be Hopefully joyful. Hopefully not, not caught on fire. Not caught on fire. <laughs> and we say he is risen and the response is... He is risen indeed. I was looking for that from oh, you. Sorry. Thank you for sorry. jumping in there and paying attention. <laughs> um, and you know that. Okay, I'm not. I don't want to dampen that either. Like I don't want to dampen the joy of Easter, right. right? Because I think that the significance of God becoming a human and rising is wonderful, right? Um, and what i'm trying to well i think what i'm trying to get us remember to remember is that friday came before sunday right right and so there was a great suffering and there was even death and i i i told the story about being in a bible study one time where somebody said that maturity and faith means never complaining about bad things that happen to you right and i always wondered what they did with jesus's words my god my god why have you forsaken me i mean what is jesus immature uh, are we going to say that's not really a complaint? He's just sad? I mean, you'd have to do some word games, right? right to feel right. like that was not, you some know. Some Jedi mind tricks. Right. To ignore that part of the story. You know, we'd have to cross, we'd have to rip out the pages of Lamentations, except for maybe Lamentations 3. Yeah. We would have to rip out um, 
you know, maybe a third of the Psalms, something like that, maybe more. Um, Ecclesiastes. Gone. Certainly gone. Goodbye. Third, third chapter in Genesis history. Uh, all kinds of Micah, prayers and places Malachi. like ne- Nehemiah. And, yeah, get rid of the prophets altogether. Jeremiah, All gone. the prophets are gone. Yeah, prophets are gone. See, uh, you're not mature enough for our Bible. Uh, all that to say, I am totally just being a jerk, um, but making the point that the Bible is perfectly okay with, we'll call it lament rather than right. complaint. You know, there, right. maybe there's a difference between whining and lamenting. I don't feel like we need to draw such distinctions. Jeremiah, Jeremiah seemed like a whiner to me. Jonah was a whiner. Yeah. Um, and those things seem to be, they're part of the Bible, right? And, right. Um, so... It's okay for suffering to be part of the process, and it's okay to have deep valleys. It's not a sign of a lack of faith. It's not a sign of a lack of maturity. It's a sign of the fact that life is hard and it's chaotic, and it's not yet what it will be. Yes, and then after you made that point, you went on to make another point or continuation of the point, which is after we take all that into consideration— what have we got left to work with? And what did you mean by that? Well, I, you know, how I got there, you know, one of the points that I want to make before making that point is that, you know, life isn't fair. And so often when people say that, they say it like a way to get you to stop being upset. Right. Right. Life. Why would you expect life to be fair? Life isn't fair. Right. You know, and that that's the kind of voice I imagine it in. Right. And I think it's perfectly okay to say life isn't fair and that sucks. Yeah. And there's going to be more thrown at some of us than others. I mean, the person that I'm thinking, you know, that I sort of wrote this message with this person in mind, like that person's life's been way harder than mine. There's no question about it. Right. And that for him to lament that, like I would encourage that. Like he right. should lament that. Right. And I lament it on his behalf. I right. mean, maybe that's condescending or something. I don't know. But I mean, like it hurts my heart that his life has been so much harder than my life has been. Right. Right. It just doesn't seem right. Like there should be a certain level of, there should be like like a maximum amount of pain that a person person should experience in life. Right. 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 And um, so... We can mourn the fact that life is often not what we hope it, hoped it would be. We can mourn the fact that, that some lives are more difficult than others. We can lament the fact that we had hopes and dreams that never came to fruition. We can lament all of those things. Like, like, and we should, and, and you should spend however much time with it that you need. But don't... You know, and then let's let's like put a period on that. Spend as much time lamenting as you need. Period. Right. Pause. Okay. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> it's not good for us to spend our whole life lamenting, and it's not good for our lives to be defined by our laments. Yes. Right. That because it because what happens is you transition. This is a word you use a lot that I think is a helpful one. We transition from lamenting, which is just a mourning in a in a period of grief, and you transition into rumination, which is basically just an unhelpful, unhealthy 
cycle of only reflecting on the ways in which things have gone wrong. And lamenting is great, but we know from research suggests that that rumination is going to prevent us from experiencing anything, any positive outcomes in life. Right. Um, Even though, you know, yeah. So it's either or it's it's living in the either or too, not the grand both and. Right. So the grand both and says peaks and valleys. Rumination is only valleys. Right. So you started out saying, I'm pushing back a little bit on just the, it's only about the rising. Um, And then you concluded, which I really loved with, it's also not just about the dying. Right. Uh, So can I tell you a bookend story to the dress catching on fire? Um. Yes. Come on, come on, let me. Oh, I was going to let you. I just was looking at the at the notes here and deciding what order to do things in. But sure, go ahead. Okay, so let me tell you this story um, really quick. So we have our own Easter disaster story. Is this about me? Yeah. So. <laughs> disaster seems a little strong. It was a disaster on the day. You just don't remember it. All right. Um, so. Go on. On this particular Easter, your dad told me that I couldn't have a new outfit because it wasn't in the budget. Uh, So this is an example. That sounds so much worse when he says it than when I say it to my wife. I know. So I didn't have a new outfit to wear for Easter, and I was really mad about it. And But you got a new outfit because my mother got it for you, and it was a powder blue little sailor suit, and you looked so cute. But I was distracted being pouty and stomping around the house. Mm -hmm. And uh, you got into your Easter basket and and ate all your chocolate Easter eggs. And when I saw you next, you had chocolate all down the front of the outfit. That's right. And it really upset your sister, um, (laughs) who was about four at the time. Yeah. And um, it was a miserable Easter Sunday. Upon reflection, yep. your dad and I unpacked that. Sure. So we unpacked it and realized what a silly waste of Easter we had um, and how superficial and, sha- superficial, and superficial and shallow we had been about letting that ruin our Easter morning and then how we put you in a second best outfit and went to church and then pretended that we were only about the rising mm-hmm. and not the dying. We vowed never to do that on Easter again. And uh, I don't think that I have bought myself an Easter outfit since then uh, because I realized that in many ways I was ask, acting like the little girl who got put in patent leather shoes and a fancy hat told to pretend that everything was great. So I do love the story of the rising and the dying and um, the completeness of it and how even the valleys can be times of opportunities in the lament to find restoration and hope. So I quite loved your message. Yeah, well, and I think that that draws attention to the fact that it's it's important to draw attention to the dying to give you that perspective. Yeah. Right, because like that's what Isaiah 53 is all about. Right. As something of no consequence, no earthly significance, something you wouldn't see, something you would turn away from because it was so painful. 
That's what that's what God did by becoming flesh and then dying. And then he ultimately transcends that. But if we miss the first half uh, and we are only talking about the second half, then we may convince ourselves that we need outfits and yeah. that we need to look good and that we need to. Yeah. I mean, if you know, it's only about the rising, I mean, you're going to get you're going to get stuck on the patent leather shoes. And so which, I, which I'm totally going to get for Nora, but sure, that's fine. Not for that reason. Yeah. Well. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I. In conclusion, what would you say about this message? Well, I just I ended with a question, and I it's a question that I end with from time to time to try to give us a little perspective. We've got all these people in this room, a lot of whom have had their lives defined by their pain. Uh, and not necessarily of their choice. I'm not saying they're people who ruminate. I mean, right. some, of, some of us ruminate. Everybody's right. going to ruminate from time to time, right? But it's not a judgmental statement. It's that a, it's a statement of you've got people with a lot of pain. Right. And we know it's not good for us to ruminate. And so the way that I like to think about that is um, thinking about the question, what's left to work with? Yeah. You know, I mean, I can think about the times where I felt particularly broken in life, um, you know, a period of, of sort of major depression, social anxiety in college, the end of a really significant relationship in seminary, um, losing three pregnancies in 2017. Was it 2017? Yeah, 2017, not 2018. Um and I think that the way that I, you know, one of the ways I've tried to not ruminate on those times moving forward is I have felt very broken by these things, but I'm still here. Yep. What's left to work with? And let's work with that. Yep. And let's assume that God has something left to work with. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, about, you know, about you specifically. You know, not just God has something in the world to work with, like you're still here. Right. Therefore, God has something left to work with. Sometimes that means letting go of expectations. Sometimes it means letting go of certain dreams or letting go of certain things. We're not going to pursue, you know, because of of Brittany's health, you know, we'll never pursue biological children at this point. Right. And. Um, but letting go of that allowed you to not be stubbornly resistant to considering the gift of receiving children from another way, which is how we received Nora. Right. And um, and we mourn, and, and, and you've got the dying and the rising. We mourn the losses. We still do. We talk about it on a regular basis. Yep. Uh, we're still processing it. We're still dealing with it. And we love Nora. You know, it, it's it's very annoying to me when people say, well, if you, if you didn't have the losses, then you wouldn't have Nora. Therefore, right. shouldn't you be happy that you had the losses? I'll never agree to that. No. Not in it, no matter how much I love Nora, I'll never agree that the that the losses were a good thing. Right. You don't I'm get saying, replacement children. Right. You don't. And so what I'm saying is we have great joy in Nora and we love her more than you know, somebody out there is upset and honking their horn and Yes. That's really driving me nuts. But we're gonna power through. We really love Nora. We really mourn those losses. There's both dying and there's rising. And life, you know, 
you know, we had to ask ourselves that question, what's left to work with? Can we be fully present parents right. for her? Right. You know, and so that's the question that we continue to ask ourselves and that's how we push forward. And I'm not saying that's the only way to do it or that's the best way to do it, but it's something that, you know, it's a useful little mantra for me to return to. Yeah. Sometimes it helps to have a little mantra. Yeah. What's left to work with? What's left to work Assume with? Assume that, that, that there's something. Yeah. And then move forward from there. And look for it. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I, w- I, w- and I would love to hear other mantras. You know, I'd love yeah. to hear how other people inspire themselves to keep putting their pants on in the morning. Yeah. You know, well, that's when, always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Scott, thank you for this. I appreciated uh, hearing the message then and the recap now. Yep. You are going to be hearing music. Uh, we need to tell you who they are because it comes to us royalty free. It's from Blue Dot Sessions. They can be found on the web at sessions.blue. We are North Star Community. We can be found at northstarcommunity.com. Um, we have a campaign going on right now to enlist uh, local businesses in supporting Um, our efforts to combat substance use uh, in all forms. And you can learn more about that at leadthewayrva.org. We really appreciate your support. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.